It's the Basketball Hall of Fame's Legends Podcast. I'm Kyle Belanger. And joining me today is a legend of the game unlike any other. She is a 1993 Naismith Memorial Basketball Hall of Fame enshrinee, the first player, male or female, to be named to four consecutive All-America teams. She's a national champion at UCLA, a silver medalist, was a member of the first women's Olympic team, was the first woman to receive a full athletic scholarship to UCLA, and, by the way, also one of the great sports broadcasters of our time. She is, of course, Ann Myers-Drysdale. Ms. Myers, thank you so much for joining me today. Hey, Kyle. Looking forward to it. So, so, so much of your story really reads and seems so unbelievable because of A, the time frame that it took place, and B, the number of ceilings you shattered and the number of barriers that you just broke down. So I guess we should start with the first and, and maybe the biggest. When you announced to the world, maybe even unintentionally, that Ann Myers was on the way, that being the moment when, as a high schooler, you were named to the uh, to the women's national team. Can you talk about the way that those early experiences shaped not only the player that you are, but the young woman that you were at the time? Well, I think so much has to go back to my family upbringing. Um, my mom and dad uh, were uh, hard workers, and my dad worked for Sears for over 30 years, and my mom raised 11 children. I was in the middle of 11, and I had five brothers and five sisters. And certainly their work ethic and uh, what they demanded out of us, and uh, and I think that that was important as far as who I am today and certainly my brothers and sisters. My older sister, Patty, who um, was born in 47, is the oldest of 11, was probably the best athlete in the family. And uh, when you talk about the time I came along, I came along at the time when women's sports was just barely starting to get recognized, and that was Title IX and Billie Jean King, and uh, 1972 was uh, when Title IX was passed, and 75 was my freshman year at UCLA, but also my brother David was there playing for Coach Wooden. But Patty opened up so many doors. I, I saw so many women of her generation playing. And, um, you know, so that was really kind of following in her footsteps with basketball or volleyball and softball. And coming from a big family, we couldn't really afford tennis or golf, which really the two opportunities for women to, you know, go on after school and, and make uh, a living. But um, when I was younger, really the only two organized sports for young women to get into were swimming, which I was not real keen on, and uh, was track and field. So I had read a book on Babe Diedrichson, Zaharias, uh, and she was an Olympian back in 1932, but also played all these other sports and was a part of the original LPGA. But that's where my dream came to go to the Olympics, and I wanted to go as a track athlete, which I competed in track at UCLA also. And um, But timing was, was everything, because in fifth and sixth grade, they had just started an after-school sports program, but it was only for boys. So my parents had to get permission for me to play uh, with the boys' team, and that's where I first played with the boys. And USA Basketball really wasn't that big for women, in uh, in our country. I mean, there were some teams, and they were from the National Business uh, College people, and, and uh, which Nero White was a member of, like back in 53 or 57, the Pan Am Games and World Championships, but nobody ever heard about it. And the women's game still in this country was 
either three on three, you know, six players on a court, or uh, six players on a court with two rovers, with two guards and two forwards, which um, I didn't even know how to play because I'd always played pickup ball with my brothers, so I only knew five on five. Mm-hmm. And uh, but my sister had played that rovers and uh, style, so I kind of understood and knew that style. So, you know, from there, I mean, I'm hoping to go to the Olympics, and then uh, I get to high school, and I'm playing seven different sports, and had played on the boys' basketball team, and uh, was planning on playing uh, my senior year on the boys' basketball team. I played summer league with them, and kind of got talked out of it, and that's when uh, the USA basketball team was uh, starting to form, and that was back again in 1974, and I was the first high school player to make the team, and... Uh, uh, my sister had played at Cal State Fullerton. Billy Moore was the uh, coach there. And uh, certainly Billy Moore became our Olympic coach in 76, and she was my coach at UCLA my senior year. So, you know, everything just kind of fell into place and uh, being in the right place at the right time. It's incredible. I, that, that story, I, I can't hear it enough because it is. It's this combination of of historical moments, of your incredible ability, of your family upbringing. It is Again, I've I've heard that story told so many times, and each time I get chills because it it needed to happen then. It needed to be Ann Myers, which is why I, I think about the success and the results that you had. Obviously, a full athletic scholarship was on the way, except nobody at UCLA, no woman at UCLA had ever received that distinction before you. So I'm wondering, one, can you recall any pushback you might have received? And then two... How does this accomplishment, the full scholarship, being the, the first woman to receive the full athletic scholarship, how does that rank in, in your mind amongst the many ceilings that you shattered as well? Well, certainly, Kyle, you know, back in the, in the early 70s, uh, as I talked to my, my sister Patty, she was playing AAU basketball. So AAU basketball was completely different what club team is today. And it was for older women that were playing sports, whether it was softball, whether it was um, volleyball or basketball. And uh, as I said, I was in organized sports at an early age in track and field. And um, in all the different sports I was playing through high school, at the age of 13, I ended up playing with these women with the, uh, the AAU team here in Southern California. And my sister is eight years older than I am. So at the age of 13, you know, she's 20, 21. And I've seen her play through her, her high school days and her college days. And, uh, and now I'm getting to play with these women that are in their 20s. And uh, so I kind of was exposed to that. I never did get to see Nero White play, but my sister Patty played against her. And uh, if anybody knows about women's basketball, Nero White is probably one of the greatest to ever play the game. And, uh, and my sister played against her. And those, those women athletes back then in the 40s and 50s and 60s were, were tremendous athletes. And uh, so, again, I was fortunate enough to be exposed to that. Mm-hmm. So in high school, when I played all these sports, um, I was a freshman in high school when my brother David was a senior. And they won CIF, which is the top here in California. And, um, and he was being recruited, but he wasn't heavily recruited throughout the country. And he goes to UCLA and plays for Coach John Wooden, which they'd been winning championships in the 60s with with uh, Kareem and, and Wicks and Rowe. And, and uh, so he goes to UCLA, and between his junior and senior year, he's living with a guy named Kenny Washington. And Wash was the uh, on Coach Wooden's first championship teams in 64 and 65, and he was going to be the women's coach at UCLA. 
my freshman year. So my recruitment was kind of through AAU, the fact that I was playing with my sister and we were playing in Gallup, New Mexico, where the Nationals were, or uh, Council Bluffs, Iowa, really big name cities. <laughs> and, um, and so we saw the Raytown Piper Reps, and we saw uh, National Business College, and we saw Wayland Baptist College. So the fact that Wayland Baptist College had a team, that's kind of a team that was talked about me going there. My sister Patty had played at Fullerton, and Billy Moore was there, so it was just right down the street from us uh, where I grew up. A lot of people that assumed that I was going to go to Fullerton. And Patty won a national championship her senior year at Fullerton and uh, back in 1970. So, you know, I didn't know where I was going to go, go to college. I had really, as a high school student, not a clue. But then I made the, the a national team. But uh, my brother David was rooming with Kenny Washington. Pile 9 had passed. And UCLA said, well, you know, we'll offer a scholarship. So Dave and Kenny came home one, one weekend and just basically said, hey, I would you like to go to UCLA on a scholarship? And I'm like, oh, sure, you know. <laughs> so it was, there was no recruitment like there is, is today. And uh, it was just kind of matter of fact with my brother and Kenny coming home that, that weekend. And, and that's how I got to UCLA. That's fantastic. Uh, happenstantial roommate situation leads to uh, one of the most important scholarships in NCAA history. And it sounds so silly to talk about one specific game. Um, and, and yet I want to, I want to talk about your quadruple double, um, in, in February of 78, you became the first person in NCAA history, man or woman to record a quadruple double against Stephen F. Austin, 20 points, 14 boards, 10 assists, and 10 steals. Um, and I say it sounds silly to focus on one game because your whole career was one of excellence. So that's one of the reasons why I'm asking about it. Does that game stand out to you in your mind at all? Or was that just sort of Ann Myers going to work and doing what Ann Myers did? I think it was the second. Yeah. Um, I, I do remember that I was not uh, 100% healthy in that game. I was sick. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, But if anybody saw my brother David play or any of my brothers or sisters, uh, we played with an intensity, and I and I just called myself a mini David. Um, he was obviously a foot taller than I was, <laughs> and uh, um, again, remember David in 1975 played on Coach Wooden's last championship team, and he was the number two pick in the draft that year in '75 behind David Thompson. He was drafted by LA, and he was in the big trade, one of four that went to Milwaukee that brought Kareem back to the uh, Lakers. And uh, my mom and dad grew up in Milwaukee. My dad was the captain of the 1945 team at Marquette. And uh, so, you know, there was a lot of ironic things going on. But, you know, the way David played, he played with such great intensity. And uh, and I did, too. And I, and I loved playing the defensive side. And, uh, I mean, honestly, to have a game like that, there's no way that can happen without wonderful teammates. Um, you know, and I, and I really played with some good players at UCLA and Anita Ortega and Beth Moore and Denise Corlett, um, you know, we, uh, Diane Frierson. And, uh, so we were fortunate to have some really good players and, and team wise. Um, I just, I loved rebounding. I mean, I absolutely loved rebounding. I loved playing defense. Um, uh, my senior year, I, I was the number three scorer on our team and, uh, 
So, but playing defense was, I, I mean, I absolutely loved playing defense. And I was aggressive and uh, pretty intense and, uh, and on rebounding. I mean, I was always on a free throw. I was always in the inside. Um, I was only 5'9", but my four years at UCLA, I led our team all four years in, in rebounds and block shots. And um, so, you know, I couldn't have accomplished that, you know, without assists, uh, without teammates making those shots. And, uh, you know, I, I think uh, even today, I think it's more fun to see a basket scored by sharing the basketball and uh, rather than just doing one-on-one. And that obviously was certainly taught at UCLA under Coach Wooden and watching his practices and uh, having Kenny Washington my freshman year and learning the fundamentals. And uh, then I had Ellen Mosher, Ellen Mosher for two years, my sophomore and junior year, and then Billy Moore came in. So I had three different coaches, but certainly Coach Wooden was always at the forefront. Professionally, you had such barrier-breaking capabilities as well, being the first-ever Women's Professional Basketball League draft selection, as well as signing that legendary no-cut contract with the Indiana Pacers of the NBA in 1980. Um, Can you give us a sense of the way that these years and experiences were being thrown your way? I mean, not only did Ann Myers, the player, play with that intensity, but this pace of life sounds absolutely blinding at this stage, was it? Well, I, I mean, I, I loved the game. I loved competing. Um, I played volleyball at UCLA for two years and, and wanted to play another year. And, and when I couldn't, um, I tried out for the tennis team. Uh, I played in high school. Um, I still competed in track and uh, worked out in track. And I was on the championship team in 75 when we won the track national. And uh, so, I mean... I two things in, in 1978 after we won the national championship. Um, I had not gotten my degree. I couldn't run the quarter system at UCLA. Did not take full loads every every quarter, uh, and couldn't go to summer school because I was always playing for USA basketball. Right. And so it took me two extra quarters to graduate. And so I graduated in '79 from UCLA. But that was my main one of my main goals was to get my degree at UCLA. And uh, so that meant I wanted to wait for the 1980 Olympics, and you had to be amateur at that time. So even though 1979, um, I was still in school, but now I'm playing USA basketball, I was the number one draft pick of the new league called the WBL, the WNBL. And um, and I thought, wow, what an honor, and uh, wanted to go, but I thought, well, I want to go to the Olympics again, too. And this was new. I mean, a lot of people thought you were just going to be on one Olympics and that was it because you had to be amateur at that time. That's basically what happened. Most of our Olympic teams were college kids. And uh, after the Olympic year, they would go on and do something else. And usually if it was the men, they would go on to play pro. So I wanted to be in the 1980 Olympics and represent our country. And uh, during that time in 1979, I was the captain of our we won the world championship that year, Pan Am Games, World University Games, and uh, we went to the Spartacade Games in Russia. And when I got back from Russia is when I got the call from, hey, how would you like to play tryout for the Indiana Pacers? And my brother David was already in the NBA playing for the Milwaukee Bucks. And uh, I was like, what? Who is this? <laughs> so um, 
I was flattered. I was taken aback. And as much now as I wanted to go to the 1980 Olympics and represent us, I had to now make the decision that this was an opportunity of a lifetime. And certainly the WBL was still there, but uh, they were a little bit offended that I did not come into the league uh, that first year. And so uh, the second year the league was going off, I made the decision to forego the Olympics, which was a very difficult decision for me because Jimmy Carter had not yet made the decision. And um, so when I did decide to do the tryout with the Pacers, uh, going into training camp as a free agent, um, our president of the United States said we're going to boycott. And that, that really tore my heart up because of all the athletes and coaches and referees and trainers and that worked four years, that this was their whole life for four years, and now it was taken away from them. So it was pretty devastating, and it was very difficult for me. That's why it was difficult for me to make my decision to try out for the Pacers. But once I did, I moved forward, and uh, you know, it was the best decision I ever made in my life. I have two questions left, Anna. I really appreciate your time. Uh since your playing days have ended, um, you've had the front row seat in watching the development of this game that we love so much, working as one of the best TV hoop analysts anywhere. Uh, can, can you give me a sense um, of, of the major developments in the game as you're seeing them? On the men or women's side? On the women's side. Um, well, after the, my tryout with the Pacers, um, I did go into the WBL, and the WBL was a league that uh, was, again, was trying to find itself, and uh, we were very fortunate that I believe that that league was instrumental in where the WNBA is today. And uh, and subsequently, all the other leagues that started after the WBL, but even though it existed only two and a half years, uh, same thing with the ABL, uh, there were other leagues in between that tried to start, and now you've got uh, players over in Europe playing, uh, both on the men's and women's side. But that first year, the WBL... Um, introduced, really, we played the NBA rules. And at that time, back in um, 1979, that that three-point line was really far out. Yeah. 1978, 79 was the very first year they put the three-point line in, into the NBA. And so a lot of that had to do also with, um, you know, they, they in the when the WBL started, they, they didn't know the rules. So they just adapted the NBA rules. And uh, the only difference was is that the one thing they did was the WBL introduced the small ball. And uh, so when I played, I played with a regular size ball, and I did not play with a three-point shot. Mm-hmm. Um, to this day, I think the NCAA needs to give credit to Lynette Woodard, is the all-time leading scorer in women's basketball. Mm-hmm in college, and uh, she did it with the regular size ball and no three-point shot. And I think you've got to give credit to Carol Blazowski, who averaged 35 points her senior year with the large ball, with the regular size ball and, the, and no three-point shot. And uh, the NCAA recognizes Pat Summit and all these other coaches with their wins during, quote, the AIAW days, but they don't recognize the players. So I get on my bandwagon on that, and right. I get frustrated that the Delta State Immaculata and the teams of that era and the players of that era are not recognized. But in saying that, um, certainly TV has changed things. And uh, and I truly believe if I don't go to UCLA, myself or women's basketball doesn't receive the attention that it did. 
and it just kind of, uh, 1976 in our Olympics, we were on TV, but not to the extent that, you know, it was a full game, but they showed us. And in 1978, when UCLA won the national championship, they showed bits and pieces of our game, not the full game, but it was the first time they were showing women's basketball on TV. And so just being a part of that, the exposure, uh, people don't realize that when I signed my contract in uh, 1979 with the Pacers, it was also the first year of ESPN, which has really changed the face of sports in this world, not just this country. And um, the exposure that uh, professional basketball has, and we have a WNBA going into its 21st season, um, it's just pretty amazing. And, um, and the play of the players is just, uh, you know, a lot of players talk about it. It's just even the guys will say, you know, we enjoy watching the women play because of the fundamentals. And that's one of the things that Coach Wooden always talked about is that the fundamentals are still there on the women's game. Finally, Anne, what does it mean to be working with the Basketball Hall of Fame at this stage in your life and this stage in your career? Well, I, I'm just very honored uh, to be a part of, of the group because uh, I don't think any of us get into this uh, game to be in the Hall of Fame. Uh, we play for the love of the game. And it's interesting. I don't, uh, as, a, as a broadcaster, I don't speak about it. I don't think it's fair. Um, but yet, as a broadcaster, I understand that this kind of recognition brings fans in when announcers talk about, well, he's a future Hall of Famer, he's a future Hall of Famer, where she is. And I'm just like, we don't play the game to get awards. We don't play the game to be that kind of recognized. And when it happens, there's no question. We are humbled. We are appreciative. And uh, certainly I I know when I was elected into the Hall of Fame, I was um, really taken aback because uh, to be amongst a lot of people that I had seen growing up, uh, because in the early 90s, there still were not a lot of women that were being inducted into the Hall of Fame. I think Lucia Harris was the first woman player inducted, um, along with Nero uh, um, White. And uh, we know that we there were other women that had been inducted as coaches and so forth, but uh, I was one of the early women as a player to be inducted. And uh, so, you know, just to be in that category, uh, you know that you're, you're respected in the accomplishments that you had as a, whether it was a player or a coach or a trainer or a contributor now today. And, um, you know, it's just so different because it's so recognized today. And I think of those early Hall of Famers that opened the doors for so many of us to, to get in and be a part of such a, an elite group. It's uh, very special. Well, certainly Minnie David became a Goliath. She is Ann Myers Drysdale, a 1993 Naismith Memorial Basketball Hall of Fame enshrinee, a, a national champion and an Olympian, the first woman to shatter ceilings like we still cannot imagine. Ann Myers Drysdale, thank you so much for joining me today. Well, thanks, Kyle. And just one last thing, and uh, and I'm very appreciative of it and didn't even know it, but, uh, you know, when I married my late husband, Don Drysdale, we did become the, the, the only uh, couple to be in our respective Hall of Fame. So being in the Basketball Hall of Fame and Baseball Hall of Fame is pretty special. We think about your husband all the time, certainly, and, uh, and thank you very much, and I appreciate it. Thanks, Kyle.